up, nerds? This is In My Expert Opinion, a podcast about the nonfiction side of speculative fiction. Your hosts are Dr. Marcus Cole. I get paid to do science. Sarah Ward. I'm a scientist in progress. And me, Abby Cole. I'm not a scientist at all. Join us as we geek out about the made-up stuff we love and the real stuff that shaped it. Today we're going to talk about Avatar The Last Airbender for like a second, and then we're going to talk about cryonics. Yay! Let's talk about that iceberg. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> in Avatar The Last Airbender, Aang shows up in an iceberg. He's frozen. He's been frozen for what, 100 years? Yep. Yeah. And uh, then he gets unfrozen. So that's about it. That's all the cryonics <laughs> from Avatar. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, I want to point out that it is technically cryonics. It's not like he... So he did go into the Avatar state to like freeze himself in this iceberg 100 mm-hmm. years ago. It was like a combination of waterbending and airbending. But like the problem was that Appa was also there, so his flying bison. And so technically it's cryonics because he did preserve Appa the entire time as well. It wasn't just the Avatar state that hmm. kept him cryogenically preserved. Yes. Interesting. Exactly. And is this also the same iceberg that took down the Titanic? Or is that just like some fake news I might have seen on the internet? Um, it actually, yeah, it's a little known <laughs> fact about Avatar. Uh, yeah, that's some of the lore. Yeah, you know, I saw that as well on one of those, like, uh, one of those less reputable news sites they were talking about um, both the Titanic and Avatar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can actually see in the Titanic movie, there's like a, a split second, like a single frame where you could see Aang's, like, head, and then it, like, cuts wow. away really fast, so. <laughs> anyway... So cryonics. The first thing I want to say about cryonics is that everyone calls it cryogenics, but that's not correct. Oh, wow. Cryogenics is technically just the study of materials at low temperatures. Cryonics is the the low temperature freezing of bodies to be later resurrected. Wow. All right. The reason I bring this up is that the Cryogenic Society of America which is a nonprofit technical society, is, like, very firm on this. So this is, like, a bunch of, like, physicists and engineers and chemists. Like, actual scientists. Yeah, exactly. They're like, we aren't them. Do not confuse us with these pseudoscientists, please. Yes, actually, on their website, they call it a pseudoscience, and they also say, we do not endorse this belief, and indeed, find it untenable. So they're, like, very clear on this. Okay. All right. So cryonics it is. Yes, I had to be corrected about that in advance of this episode. I'm really glad I know that now. (laughs) Yeah. So the second part about cryonics is that Walt Disney's head was not cryogenically frozen, despite, you know, popular belief. Although maybe they're just lying about it and he was actually cryogenically frozen, but he is allegedly (laughs) being cremated and interred. I want to believe that every single frozen head I saw from Futurama is actually frozen. No, that's her. And that's that's the stance I want to take. Including Aang's. (laughs) Including, oh my God. And we'll talk about this, how you can do cryogenic preservation either with, you know, the full body or just the head. And uh, a lot of these companies actually provide both services. Wait, so there's a whole economy around cryonics? Yeah, so there actually is like this whole thing about it. (laughs) So I'll just jump into it. Basically, so like I said, cryonics is like seeking to preserve the body prior to brain death, but after like your heartbeat and like your breathing stop. So- you want to hit like the sweet spot before your brain dies, right? Because then otherwise, what's the point? Sure. Have they done a lot of research to like know like exactly how much time or like- It's kind of weirdly explored. Okay. The whole thing with like cryogenics is that 
there has been a lot of research done for the preservation of organs and cells, right? Because this yeah, is like sure. critical to research into hospitals. There has been some work on head and body restoration, but because it's viewed as like a pseudoscience, it's not necessarily like a bustling field, right? Um, and it's actually something mm-hmm. that's kind of being undertaken by like companies um, as like they develop their own technologies. Oh, okay. But actually, the cryopreservation of cells has been like observed for a long time. Uh, funnily enough, like with sperm specifically. Yeah. Oh, wait, that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? In 1776, this Italian uh, Catholic priest, his name was Spallanzani. Spallanzani. Sp- <laughs> uh, he was like reporting his observations on the effects of freezing temperature on sperm. <laughs> huh. Wow. He's just like jacking off and coming on some ice <laughs> and being like, guys, check it out. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, my God. Sorry. I, I, I came in hot with <laughs> yeah, this one. Yeah, I was going to ask if he was just like, <laughs> did he just take a little slide and look at how the sperm move after they've been frozen under a microscope? To be honest, this article didn't really <laughs> want to jump into that, probably for these kinds of reasons. For the exact reason that I just <laughs> brought up by yeah. illustrating it. Was it human sperm? Mm-hmm. Was that like the... Yes. I feel like that's the easiest for humans to come by. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That, nice pun there, Abby. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I didn't even mean that. That's incredible. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So then in 1866, an Italian physician, uh, Montegaza, uh, observed the survival of sperms that had been cooled minus 150 degrees Celsius. Um, and so he like originally proposed the idea of a sperm bank, which was later realized starting in the 1950s. Wow. Sweet. How do you get something that cold in 1866? You can get dry ice and like a solvent at the time okay cool so the whole thing with like the cryopreservation has been like an idea for you know different cells and like parts of the body for a while but the idea of cryonics as like body and head preservation didn't really come up until like the early 60s so this guy robert edinger uh, wrote a book called the prospect of immortality this was published in 1962 um this guy was like a physicist he got his ms in physics and mathematics um and now he's kind of considered like the father of cryonics he uh established this cryonics institute and he was like really influenced by reading science fiction that makes sense Yeah, like mo- most scientists are yeah so he read this book called like the jameson satellite in which this dude he sent his remains into orbit so they would stay at near zero temperatures and then he was revived by aliens and robert edinger was like but wait what if people revived him And that was just a way we could be, you know, immortal. Mm. And so this was kind of like the idea of like starting cryonics and stuff like that. Cool. Cut to today, there are currently, as far as I'm aware, five different companies that provide cryonic services in the world. Three of them are in the U.S. So this is the Cryonics Institute, which he founded, Alcor, and Oregon Cryonics. There is one in Russia called Cryorus, I guess is how you pronounce it. And then one in Australia, uh, and the one in Australia is called Southern Cryonics. There are upwards of several hundred people that have been preserved. Um, I saw some numbers indicating that two to three hundred were at Alcor specifically, and you know, over a thousand people have been committed to this. Um, those numbers are kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. you could look at like membership statistics on a lot of these organizations' websites, but that's not necessarily indicative of like what the total number is because um, you can be a member and get your families into it. Um, without them technically being members and also some people are members but they're not like committed to it because they couldn't afford it you know what i mean like so Mm -hmm. do they give you a price range i guess like for like how much it costs to become like a member of like the cryonics institute yeah it costs between 25 to three hundred thousand dollars, depending on the service and the company jesus is that a one-time payment so actually you can qualify for like uh, life insurance payments i guess like monthly payments um alcor specifies on their website that 
Uh, their whole body preservation costs about $200,000. Um, and they recommend like monthly payments of like anywhere between $100 to $700. This is so business savvy because they're basically running this like an insurance model. Like you never know when you might need to be reanimated. So rather than give us all your money for like a potential accident in the future, just pay monthly and we can guarantee down the road if you do die, I need to bring you back. We got you. Maybe. yeah it's pretty wild too because you're like banking on the company not going out of business but there have been cryonic companies that have gone out of business there have been like scandals with like cryopreservation with bodies like being thawed improperly oh no and stuff like that like some of these were not necessarily for cryonics they were some of these like thaw scandals were related to companies that were holding on to the bodies like for them to be like embalmed and interred later Mm. um but they like would find the bodies had not been, like, kept cold kind of thing. And so there's been, like, a lot of problems with all of this stuff. Um, And, like, yeah, like you said, it's, like, really banking on the fact that this company will be able to provide the service for you. What? Um, Which is not necessarily the case. You're just paying for it to hopefully work out for you. I really don't know why there isn't more, I guess, research into, like, just, like, freezing some mice and trying to, like, bring them back and seeing if their behavior is, like, the same. So there actually is some of that, yeah. Oh, okay. I think the problem is that a lot of people consider this a pseudoscience, so how are you going to get the funding for it? Anyway, so uh, looking at work in non-primates, uh, I have just like a list of some dates with some kind of important papers that came out over this stuff. Mm-hmm. One of them was in 1966. This was the first demonstration of a recovery of a cat brain uh, and its electrical activity after freezing it to minus 20. Um, so they kept it frozen for a short period of time and were able to monitor some electrical activity after thawing it. Cool. Uh, in 1974, there was a paper that showed the partial recovery of activity in a cat brain after seven years of frozen storage. So this is a, a much, much longer period of time but only partial activity was recovered Mm -hmm. um in 1984 researchers demonstrated that a rabbit kidney was removed frozen at negative 135 degrees celsius and then returned to the rabbit successfully wow okay one in 2015 that was the first demonstration of a quote-unquote near perfect long-term structural preservation of um, an intact mammalian brain um, and then very recently in 2020, a report on the persistence of fine structure in the brain after uh, a prolonged cold ischemia. I don't, I think that's how you pronounce it, but that's like an inadequate supply of like blood and oxygen to an organ kind of thing. So the problem is um, with something called vitrification. Vitrification is freezing something without like ice formation. Um, and so like critics against cryonics argue that you can never totally remove this ice formation and ice formation causes damage. Is, is ice formation, like, specifically frozen water, or is it, like, a structural, like, a crystalline structure thing, or is that a dumb question? No. Is so ice formation just ice? Basically, vitrification is a solidification without the formation of these crystals by bringing the material to what's called an amorphous glassy state, so it's, like, kinetically mm-hmm. trapped. That is what my students' yeah. eyes are in every time I am talking, is an amorphous <laughs> glassy state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Basically, vitrification was demonstrated in the mid-1980s by Greg Fahey and William Rawl. The idea is that you cool tissue down below freezing, um, and usually what this means is that ice crystals form, and in the water outside of cells, it forms faster, and so it crushes the cells as uh, you freeze something, so this obviously leads to a lot of damage. 
With vitrification, you can cool it down, usually with the use of like a cryopreservation agent or CPA, uh, quite rapidly to liquid nitrogen temperature. So again, minus 196C. Mm -hmm. Um, And this uh, reduces or completely eliminates the ice formation. So the water is super cooled, but there is no ice technically. It's just um, in this like kind of amorphous state. That's so awesome. Yeah. There's a researcher that does this with like organic electronic like molecules to make like highly like conductive glasses oh that's really cool yeah mark ediger yeah it's cool because you can just like super cool things through like thermodynamically stable states and just like miscrystallization like hit a glass or like hit these like other random physical like kinetically trapped states that like yeah you can't just get by normally cooling a system exactly so it's this idea of like being able to super cool something rapidly so that you totally miss that like crystal formation and that prevents damage to the cells. That's kind of what this whole cryopreservation and cryonic stuff is like based on. Got it. Basically, pure water can be vitrified if it's cooled faster than 3 million kelvins per second. Whoa. Which is crazy, which is why you use- That's extremely fast, yes. How do you do that? Basically, you have to use cryopreservation agents. I don't know. What is that? So that's something like, for example, when you're looking at cells for uh, cell lines that are used in research, that's something like Mm -hmm. DMSO. Oh, or like an ionic liquid? Mm, I think ionic liquids can be used, yeah. You have something that allows it to help this vitrification process. Yeah, so basically uh, what you need for vitrification is um, a really rapid increase in your viscosity and a freezing temperature uh, like point decrease. So CPAs allow you to decrease the freezing temperature and also rapidly increase the viscosity as you're rapidly cooling it down to liquid nitrogen temperature levels. This is literally just like for like all like people that aren't scientists that listen to our podcast, like this is why like you would throw like some salts down on like ice in like the Northeast. Yeah, to, like, exactly. Bring down like the freezing point depression so that you can have like actual liquid water that you're driving on and you're not going to like spit out. Like most yeah. of these, I, I'm assuming these CPAs are like just like weird salts or polymers maybe that have like an ability just to like bring that temperature down and then interfere with hydrogen bonding and all that good stuff that makes ice ice. That's a very helpful example. Yeah, um, I'm not totally sure what all of them are, but I, like I said, like sometimes it's like a small molecule like DMSO or something, and obviously these companies have like proprietary blends and stuff that they use. Oh, they're not publishing their uh, their formulas for their <laughs> CPAs? Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> so basically the way it works, I'll talk about it kind of broadly and then like a specific, um, like a specific company's procedure for it. Mm-hmm. Basically when you have a body, uh, you cool it by convection. So in this case, the cryonic subject or patient is the solid object. It's cooled by a fluid, a fluid just kind of broadly being a thing that flows or deforms under external force. It's rapidly circulated, so the fluid transports heat away from the conduction layer around the object, and this allows it to rapidly cool. And so this is kind of like basically how it works. Cool. They've demonstrated in other animals, like in gerbils, it's been demonstrated that um, the duration of time necessary to cause 50% of like neuron damage increases exponentially when you lower the brain temperature, even by just six degrees. Oh, wow. You know, and like in people, right? Like you hear about like people going like hiking and it's cold and they get frozen, but their body is like relatively preserved in that state until like help arrives because mm-hmm. the cold slowed the damage oh. to them kind of thing. Ooh, scary. I also found a uh, these like northern wood frogs um, can survive in temperatures of like negative three to negative six C and this like semi frozen state for like months Wait, without a heartbeat. That's awesome. We can talk about Avatar again. Oh yeah, there were frogs that were frozen in Avatar, There's right? Fucking frozen frogs in Avatar. Yeah, man. 
Uh, it was when, like, Sokka and Katara and, like, Momo were sick and Aang had to go, like, find these frozen <gasps> oh, frogs yeah, in a they swamp. Had to lick- yeah, okay. And they had to, like, lick them, but the frogs mm-hmm. kept thawing the and they were, like, frogs. totally alive afterwards. <laughs> oh. Yuck. Anyway, it's like that. Cool. <laughs> nice reference. <laughs> Thank you. Basically, the idea is that uh, cryonic proponents say is that low temperature, slow metabolism, it can cause, like, chemical changes in your body to stop for centuries because, um, again, it's, like, kinetically trapped. You can reduce the ice formation with these vitrification mixtures um, and the damage associated with low temperatures that you still can get because we don't have perfect vitrification and freezing uh, yeah. methods mm-hmm. uh, is theoretically reversible in the future. So that's kind of the idea is that this is the best we could do. We could probably mm-hmm. fix it later. Okay. See, that's what I was going to say is like, so, so far, this sounds like all real. This is a real thing you can do to freeze. And then the 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 part that's made up pseudoscience is that and later we'll bring you back. Yeah. I, d- I don't really see how this is possible. Yeah, so that part is kind of whack. There's been like some demonstration of it. The cat brains. I feel like you need to inject some kind of substance into an organic system to be able to bring it back. Like I like I just don't see like just bringing it down. There has to be some kind of like stabilizing agent that you definitely need for this to work. And if you're not like looking at inside the body how to like be able to like maintain like protein structure. I mean, like I know like you're freezing it and you're, that's your hope is that you're not going to denature things, but like there's obviously other things going on other than just like preserving structure. And if they're not like looking at that part, it's. Yeah. I mean, like that's the problem, right? Like I know with, uh, with cell lines, for example, I get like glioblastoma cells delivered mm-hmm. to lab and then my collaborators like thaw them for testing. Like that works. You have like established procedures for that. You take the cells out of the liquid nitrogen and then you let them thaw and then you can culture them and stuff like that. But that's like a clump of cells and not like Mm -hmm. tissue. And a person. Yeah. Like not these like complex structures. (laughs) So like that's the problem, right? Is that they don't actually know how to like thaw a thing and have it work. Because like like you can look at electrical activity of the brain and like I don't doubt that you will see some kind of signal after like taking it out of the body freezing it even of a human brain you'll like see some kind of potential it's probably in that but yeah exactly as far as like being able to like produce speech when put back into a body or like just simple like mechanical skills of like being able to walk like i don't think you're going to be able to maintain that without like looking a little bit deeper at this problem yeah and like i don't really know exactly what kind of research is going into it it seems mostly that like things are just trying to see if electrical activity is possible afterwards but Mm -hmm. it's all kind of pseudosciencey anyway right like i don't know so i also now have a procedure for cryonic preservation so this is from the cryonics (laughs) institute website this is like explicitly how they do this okay cool hit me let's do it stage one initial cooldown and transport Mm -hmm. chill out a patient dies (laughs) okay they're dead now this is clinical death your heartbeat and breathing are gone you're trying to make sure that you do this before total brain death so like your heart stops but there's still some electrical activity this is like the brief (laughs) period of time where you need to be frozen hang on hang on so wait people are like in the hospital okay doctor says okay you're gonna die real soon and then what like the cryonics team just like rolls a fucking refrigerator into the hospital room or what's up when you've signed up for the service you mm-hmm. have to have people around when you're about to die in the hospital to like immediately yeah. put your body, mostly the head, that's the most important part, yep. in a slurry of ice water. Ice, what, just straight up ice water? Yeah, so out. basically uh, ice cubes cool down slower than ice plus water. This has to do with the circulation sure. and the whole convection thing. So then you dunk them in ice water. So, th- so the cryonics people really do roll up to the hospital rooms, but not with a fridge, with, with like a bucket. 
in like blue jumpsuits ready to chill you out. I hope that it's really dramatic. You know what I mean? Like the lights start flickering and then they run in and it's like very I feel like they're going to look hardcore. like a Mr. Freeze from like Batman. Just rolled in like, yo, we're with the cryonics team. We're ready to we're freeze the this body. <laughs> out of the way. Freeze, freeze. We have only seconds. <laughs> and then once they dunk you in ice water, then they inject you with an anticoagulant to prevent blood clotting. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> and then you are, wait, wait, doesn't that make you easier to eat for vampires? Yeah, it yeah. does. Ooh. The, well, so the oh, second man. part of the Chronics Institute team is actually on the, on the outside with like steaks and like garlic and shit so that like <laughs> vampires can't get to the body. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They got the backup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like part two. This is a well-funded program. Like they're coming in with tanks. They're ready to go. But if you're they're- paying $300,000 <laughs> to get your body preserved, it better be like well-funded against vampires. There better be fucking garlic Full on board. caravan <laughs> as they're like driving you to the Institute. Like basically like you're getting presidential treatment. They're shutting down highways, making sure like so your body is getting in there <laughs> um yeah so this is like thirty thousand units of heparin for people up to 200 pounds um forty thousand using units of heparin if you weigh more than that so they just inject a bunch a of anticoagulant into your body <laughs> oh my god then you have to do cardiopulmonary support so like chest compressions for at least five minutes <laughs> to help circulate the heparin around your body Oh. Just fucking wailing, shooting shooting you up and then wailing on your chest as the doctors stand by in horror. I'm just imagining like a machine that does this at like once. It's just got like a needle that shoots into your chest and then it just like is pumping on your chest. Oh my God. <laughs> just <laughs> so fucking spilling wild. ice water all over the hospital. Those rooms are a complete disaster afterwards. Oh no, this is this is a shit show when this is going on. There, this is not a very like calm scene. <laughs> I'm the sure the CNAs be- are like, God damn it, not again. I have to fucking <laughs> clean this up. And I'm sure like the family around is just like freaking out. Maybe they didn't know that this person's like on the- in the crib. They're like, who are oh you? God. You can't take What's the body. What's happening? Like, what are you doing? Sorry, like- sorry, family. We're taking, we got to take the body. We, we got to get out of here. That's another part of the team. They have to bring in somebody to wrestle, a- wrestle away bereft family oh members as this is going They're just like on. trauma support teams. Like, hey, we're here to like w- walk you through this whole process. Like, oh my Whoa. god, how terrible. <laughs> so that was all stage one. <laughs> okay. Stage two, perfusion stage. Basically, Ooh. you remove all of Ooh. your blood. Oh, Ellen used to have to do this. They take away their blood and then they pump in these cryoprotectant agents, so the CPAs for the, the vitrification process. It's This is replacing the body water and the, the blood in the patient. Oh, okay, got it. So this all is going on inside of the person. I don't know why yeah, I thought so this was potentially like outside. No, 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 no. So this is just like a, a blood exchange kind of deal. Um, the oh. perfusions are done at uh, the Chronics Institute at increasing concentrations until you get about 70% of their um, their proprietary vitrification mixture is achieved. So 30% water, Whoa. 70% of this like CPA. This is definitely like, I mean, I don't want to do this, but if there was anything where like you could come back with like some weird powers, like you just got pumped with like 70% like weird like cpa yeah dude you gotta write this comic book now i you know like i feel like you wake up you're like i'm cryo man and i've got ice powers now thank you who's for- mr freeze now <laughs> i don't even need a gun and i don't need that stupid helmet i can breathe <laughs> so then that happens uh they have thermocouples placed in the body to monitor brain temperatures to make sure that the body's cool this whole time again just kind of preventing uh, any kind of damage and then they're put into what's called an insulation pouch <laughs> I like that it's a pouch. Is yeah, it like shaped pouch. like a kangaroo? I think it just looks like it looks like a body bag. No, I was picturing like a Capri Sun. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my With god. With a little like straw that's like pumping in the CPA. Gross. Yeah. 
got like a little surfer on the outside painted being like, cool, man. <laughs> He's like winking. The sun's like winking back. Surf's up, man. It's about to get super chill over here, bro. Oh my God. Actually, it is about to get super chill in here because stage three is further cool down. Oh, yeah. Okay. So at this point, they've just been kept cool with like ice water uh -huh. and stuff. Now we got to get cold. Ice cold. Now it's going to be very, very liquid nitrogen cold. So they are slowly over the course of five and a half days cooled to a negative 196 degrees C. This is used a computer controlling unit. The insulation pouch is opened slightly for consistent cooling. And at the end of it, the patient is removed from the cooling system. The insulation pouch is closed. And honestly, they're put into these things that look kind of like uh, a thermos. And that's it. So when they're done with the insulation pouch, did they like, so this is what I used to do with my Capri Suns. I'd like roll it up to make it look like a fake cell phone. No, the body's still in there. They just close. Oh, damn it. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So you said uh, this is over the couple, a couple of days, right? Yep. Before I, you mentioned it needing to be cooled down at like many hundreds of Kelvin per second. So that's just pure water. When you have these oh. CPAs, you could do it slower mm -hmm. because Got they're it. increasing okay. the viscosity and lowering the freezing temperature. Okay. Do they take any samples like as they're doing this just to be like, hey, like uh, we looked at the proteins in the like CPA blood mixture and everything looks normal. I mean, hypothetically, they would have already tested this beforehand, but honestly, I have absolutely no idea what they're doing with these bodies, man. No quality control measures. Damn. I don't know. Although Alcor actually <laughs> gives uh, tours on a pretty regular basis, uh, they Ugh. do note on their website, by the way, that the um, the viewing window to look into like the the storage area for the bodies is bulletproof glass, which I thought was kind of funny. Yo, for real? Yeah, for the vampires. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Wait, they would be hard to eat at this point if they're frozen. And all their blood's gone. And all their blood's gone. All right, the vampires are out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we got them out in stage one. They, they planned for this. They knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so that's um that's how it's done. Man. That's incredible. And then um they're woken up and it's totally fine and it's totally worth all your money. Do they tell you about like any of their famous like members, like who's like frozen here or like Well, for sure the guy who came up with it is frozen. Okay. Okay. As was his buddy, Curtis Henderson, another early pioneer of cryonics. He was an attorney. He like co-wrote some stuff with Robert Ettinger. Okay. Basically, they were like, this is kind of touching on the ethics section, which we're going to go into next, but like them saying like any pessimism whatsoever is grotesquely premature. We've scarcely begun to live <laughs> and learn. Like they were just like really Skepticism. into this and would not listen to any like <laughs> that is critics. That's the craziest thing. Um, for science. Any pessimism is grotesquely premature. Yeah, basically. It's just an absolute ludicrous thing to say. Pessimism should be a part of all science and it should just like kind of like drive your rigor so that yeah, you can no, like, I mean, shut this down is like the pessimism. so whack. <laughs> any pessimism grotesque is grotesque. and immature. You're right though. Like the skepticism is important, but they were yes. like not willing to like entertain this like criticism. Because they know it's all kind of BS. Some bullshit. <laughs> In terms of other people that have been cryopreserved, Walt Disney has not been, allegedly. Mm -hmm. I read about... I was about to say Tom Cruise, and then I remembered he's alive. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just his, like, clone. I don't know why he, he seemed like the kind of guy who would do it. No, I feel like maybe the uh, cryo does, yeah. Cryonics Institute also supplies clones for people that want to freeze themselves early and they're like, okay, we'll just put your clone out in the real world and you can just come hang with us. Interesting. Um, Let's see. So in terms of people that have been frozen, for sure, Robert Eddinger and his buddy, uh, there was in 2015, Du Hong uh, was a 61-year-old woman who uh, was the first Chinese national 
known to have her head uh, cryopreserved. It's mostly like people know about who's on the waiting list. For example, the guy who owns PayPal apparently Wait, is going to get his body preserved. Yeah. Gotta, gotta get those transactions. Other notable people, Ted Williams and son, John Henry Williams, baseball players, mm-hmm. arranged to have bodies cryopreserved. It's honestly just kind of a random list of people and the rest of it's like secretive. Is it mostly men? Yeah. Hmm. I'm surprised Elon Musk is not on this list. I feel like this is like right up his alley. I mean, honestly, he might be like arranged for it. He just like maybe has it kept secret. He probably has his own system. <laughs> He's going to build it on the moon. He's like, um, I don't need to do this on Earth. I'm just going to put my body on the Honestly, moon. he seems like he'd go the way of that sci-fi <laughs> book and just have his body cryopreserved by just hanging around in space. You know what I mean? Just put it on like a SpaceX satellite and just like yeah, exactly. always out here. Amazing. <laughs> um, there was actually a study done that was very recently published. This was done last year in 2020. They surveyed over 1,500 people in the United States uh, to look at kind of demographics on the feelings and intents behind cryo, uh, cryopreservation. Um, they did mm-hmm. confirm that men have more positive sentiments compared to women. Places like Alcor do have like conventions and they are overwhelmingly like older white male uh, participants. Yeah. Not surprising. That checks out to me, right? Because what do you need? You need money and you need ego. Yeah. And, and a desire to like continue like uh, yeah. your supremacy into the future by any means necessary. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It is an ego thing, right? Like that the idea that we need you of all people to be like brought back to life later honestly like if i was to be frozen like i'm not looking at like optimistic things if i'm being frozen out it's like fuck i might like wake up and it's like it's worse out here for like black people i'm not i don't need it i don't need to go like like i'm good here i know exactly how bad things are right now and i can assume that it's potentially downhill from here so whatever i i'm not optimistic about like oh i'm just gonna wake up and like the world is for me and i'm fine and yay (laughs) if you if you are in more of a position like the more of a position you're in where your life is a day-to-day like survival thing, right? Right. It's like the idea of wanting just like, okay, well, I survived. I made it to the end. Now I'm done. I feel like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I because it just like it the I don't know. Like life is kind of kind of hard. I don't know that I want to keep yeah, exactly. doing That's the thing. it. <laughs> so this study did actually find a correlation related to that. Um there was a high correlation between economic achievement and interest, mm-hmm. as well as a correlation yeah, between high income and a desire to see the future. The study, mm. like authors, basically decided that this was a consequence of being pro-long life. So the idea that yeah. when you have greater life satisfaction, cryonics is viewed favorably because in the risk-reward way of looking at things, it's easier for you, right? Like when you yeah. are already successful and have a different hierarchy of needs- because mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about your like day to day. Yeah. Right. Like I mean I'm still very optimistic about like the immediate future and I want to like live a long and fulfillful like yeah, fulfilling yeah. life but like I'm not like oh I need to see things in 200 years in the future because like I feel for like a lot of these people it's like well I have this stock that I think is going to be huge in like 100 yeah. years so like I <laughs> right? want to be able to see my gains. Yeah. I want to see how many <laughs> statues there are yeah. of me. Right. How many buildings my name is on. But I also assume there's people that there are probably people on the other side that like are hopeful about like medicine because they like they have diseases that can't be like cured now and like I I can empathize with that sentiment of like wanting to find like hope for a better life in the future because right, like exactly. currently it's like not tenable to like exist. Yeah. So actually, the thing I was going to bring up next was a very recent case and it happened in 2016 
This was um, done in the UK. Uh, what I'm pulling from right now is a paper by Richard Huxtable in 2017. Uh, he's a professor of medical ethics and law at the University of Bristol. He wrote on the case of J.S., a terminally ill 14-year-old who sought and obtained approval from the High Court in the United Kingdom to have her body cryopreserved. Mm -hmm. This was the first time that any court internationally had been asked to approve of this type of request. She was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer in 2015. Uh, By August of 2016, she was receiving end-of-life care. And she said that she wanted to live and live longer. Uh, She said, I think that in the future, they might find a cure for my cancer and wake me up. I want to have this chance. This is my wish. Interesting. Her mother and her grandparents supported her on this. They raised the 37,000 pounds that was necessary for the, uh, the procedure. Wow. Basically, this came up in the court because she was obviously minor and her father was estranged and wanted to have his own assets protected because this is such a costly procedure. Um, But he did want to see his daughter's body before she was preserved. Mm -hmm. They went to court. Basically, the idea was that her welfare was the primary concern. Um, So her like acute emotional needs. And so her mother Mm -hmm. was made the administrator of her state. So her father was no longer financially liable, but he also couldn't interfere with the procedure. They also found that legally this wasn't covered by anything. Uh, There are some laws related to human tissue, like the Human Tissue Act of 2004, but that doesn't really cover like full body preservation in these kinds of facilities, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So basically, uh, you know, they granted her wish. She was cryopreserved. And, um, you know, that was that. But, you know, this article also raises a lot of the ethical questions of cryopreservation, right? So like, he uh, brought up, you know, is the dying JS the same person as the reanimated JS. Mm -hmm. Right. And he points out that like her mother was like very obsessed with getting all this arranged. And he thought to the detriment of her daughter because like this was like a consuming process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it took away time before she died kind of thing. And her family isn't being cryopreserved. So she'll wake up without her family still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't know. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is too too much of a hippy dippy way of looking at things but i do feel like there's some real value in trying to face and accept difficult things Mm -hmm. even i mean not that i i mean i sympathize with you know this girl who's like a minor and dying it's like very tragic and i sympathize with her oh absolutely yeah i can like empathize with a child who feels that they're dying too young but i don't know i i don't feel great about the company because i feel like this is like you're offering this to people that are clearly in need and like want help and like i know like this person like thinks that this is gonna like this could potentially save their life someday but like i think you could have also maybe spent some time like looking into like more like fringe like cancer therapeutics in today's time the other thing because 30 like and also you can get into trials for like potentially free versus spending like Mm -hmm. thirty-seven thousand dollars with like these are potentially like charlatans man like these are not people that are gonna really trying to save your life with like a trial like it is a success for them if this works and they want this to work because they're like basing this on like real science so they're really invested in making you feel better versus like once you're injected with the cpa and you're on ice like they're not worried about you well that's the thing right they have your money at that point yeah right and why do you want to like give all this money to cryonics when you could give it to cancer research i mean i know it's not gonna affect you directly but you know what i mean it's like balancing the needs of society currently and enabling scientific right. advances to flourish versus just saying, you know, I don't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. I care about this one Which thing. Which again, right she's now. a teenager. Right. But so like, yeah. like Marcus said, you know. right? Like, this is the company being like, well, we get the money now. So whatever. Right. Exactly. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars 
however much money these companies are making, I don't know, but like that you could be spending on things that aren't hypothetical. I know my pessimism is grotesquely premature, sure, sure, but sure. like <laughs> I I just I don't know. Well, and you also have to look at the environmental burden of it, right? These are hundreds and hundreds oh, of point. bodies being stored at liquid nitrogen level temperatures. What is like the footprint of this? You know, oh, for man. something that's like yeah. maybe not going to go anywhere anyway. Like, what's the point, yeah. right? Um, I will say that Edinger and Henderson also said uh, that in medical ethics, it's the life of the patient that counts and not the welfare of other individuals or of society, which I kind of get, but I also think is like a really shitty way of justifying everything. Yeah. But you don't even know if your patients are like, you don't know if they're okay. You don't know if their welfare is like actually like intact because you're literally just like freezing them and like you're not. You're there, I'm not I'm assuming there's no like real like upkeep because it's like it's a frozen body like you don't want to basically like, just keep putting in more liquid nitrogen exactly like you can't really like we don't have the technology to be like take like pulling samples and monitoring like is this body still good to be reanimated in the future because we still don't know how to do this. I, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Like, what if they discover when they try to reanimate them that their procedures were bad and this was all a total waste of time and then people exactly. are brought back, like, damaged and hurt and stuff like that? Yeah. I'm disgusted by your pessimism, actually. <laughs> Is it too <laughs> grotesque? It's, it's so too grotesque. It's too grotesque. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it at this point, it's not premature to be skeptical <laughs> about cryopathy. Because well, there's nothing, like, supporting it, really. I mean, there's such right. a minimal amount of support. A couple of cats, though, so that's some, something. Some brain activity in cats. Well, this is the thing, is I actually found this, like, open letter from scientists, and this includes, like, signatories from, like, Harvard and, like, NASA and MIT that were like, oh, yeah, we're pro-cryonics. And then you have, like, on the other hand, a lot of scientists who are like, this is ethically, I mean, honestly fucked up, right? Like, you have no idea if this is actually going to work. Oh, yeah. This is just taking advantage of, like people and taking their money for like a false hope and like that's messed up yeah i mean like the science of it like i would 100 percent like want like my tax dollars to go to research to be like how do we understand how to bring people back for the reason of like we want to be able to freeze people to like cure diseases that we don't have cures for like now and like not looking at like uh. centuries but like looking at like a few decades if they're comfortable with it but like doing the like the mouse studies doing the cat studies like really like understanding if it's possible and if you maintain like behavior and full bodily function when you come back yeah like i i get the like that would be so cool and in a related note like with the problem with cryonics is that it boils down to who is worthy of revival and the answer is whoever oh. has money do you know who i think is worthy hmm it's it's Ang. He's the last. Oh, it's Ang. You're right. <laughs> he he was the only one that was truly worthy because he took down the Titanic, and that's what earned him. The and right. he brought balance to the world in doing so, or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, the last little thing, also related to Ang, would just be that the whole study of cryonics brings up the question of what is death. It threatens the idea that death is reversible. Mm -hmm. It requires a redefinition of death and the rules associated with it happening. And I think as Avatar tells us, uh, we know that actually it doesn't fucking matter at all because all you have to do is freeze the Avatar in an iceberg and then everything's fine again. Yeah, man. All we have to do is get, we just need to find the Avatar state within ourselves mm -hmm. and then we Whoa. can all, this is going to be like my whole mission statement of the cryonics institute that I create. <laughs> oh, like, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> How do they wake him up? They just melt it or he unmelts himself? I don't even remember this. Don't they, like, wreck their boat? In Doesn't their boat, like, wreck into it and it cracks and it opens and then he's, like, awake okay. and alive? Because he's, like, dormant and then they, like, activate him and, like, the, like, 
iceberg starts to melt and like so this is how we should be conducting these experiments just like wandering around all these capri sun pouches and thermoses <laughs> smashing them with our boomerangs yeah see here's the problem is that they're kept behind bulletproof glass but actually we should be hitting them repeatedly and uh that's my expert opinion on how chronic stage four actually happens <laughs> yeah that sounds right <laughs> Thanks for listening to In My Expert Opinion. Please remember to rate and subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review with your expert opinion on why this podcast is rad. Five-star reviews will get a shout-out on the podcast. A pretty big deal, if you ask me. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at expertopspod, or email inmyexpertopinion at gmail.com. Later, nerds! <laughs>